Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Vertical Church Online. We are so happy that you are here with us this morning. I'm so excited to hear from Pastor Brian today as we learn that when we put first things first, how to make a statement in our lives and the lives of others. So glad you're here today. It's been a great week for us here at Vertical. Disciple Now weekend. Students, I'm so happy for you guys. I got to come up yesterday and take a little bit of, uh, take in some of the insanity that was happening here. It was awesome. Got to see uh, some monkey going on. So they know what that means. You don't. And that's probably enough. So uh, it was awesome. So I hear some great stories coming out of uh, the homes and the times that were spent there as well. So it's good. You know, uh, during the week, we're seeing a lot of exciting things happen as well. Wednesdays are a big day for us here at Vertical. It starts early on Wednesday morning with our men's breakfast, 6 a.m. We're seeing some new men show up there. and God's doing some great things as men are learning what it means to be offensive in their battle front, not just defensive as warriors for Christ. Our ladies' Bible study is growing as well. They meet at 9 a.m., and they are really being challenged by Scripture and walking in the ways that God has for them. Wednesday nights is becoming an even bigger deal for us here. We've got something for birth all the way up through uh, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 11th, 12th, and adults as well. This week here on campus, big day for us. We had 139 here that night. That's a big deal for us, yeah. More than just the numbers, though, what I am excited about is that there is a hunger to know God's ways. This isn't just uh, people going through religious routine. These are people who are actively pursuing Christ in their life. So uh, for the adult side, for example, we have for two, cl- two classes on Wednesday nights. One is the Steps group that meets in the church office. Growing number there, people saying, I want to know how to walk out this faith in the very real parts of my life, especially the ones that are difficult and trying. And that's happening for them. Uh, Heather and I are in here in the worship center. We're talking about seven weeks to a greater marriage. 
We had 54 in here this past Wednesday night walking through God's ways. How do I have a marriage that honors Christ and walks in his ways? So uh, I'll give a little teaser because I'm the one that leads that class. So this week, couples, if you're interested, which by the way, if you haven't come yet, you still want to, it's not too late. Here's the deal. For this Wednesday night, 10 ways to radically transform how you communicate with one another. Mm, yeah, because that's not one of those things you say, oh, communication, got it, done, first year, figured it all out. No. Hey, 30 years in, Heather and I are still learning some things about communication, right? So uh, there's a little plug for that this Wednesday night. I am excited, though, to see God at work in our church, to know that he truly is transforming and people truly are saying, God, I want what you want from my life. I surrender to you, Jesus. Because we are convinced as a church that the Spirit of God and the Word of God have been given, us, given to us today so that we might know how to live a life that truly is vertical first. And we are seeing that happen. No matter where you've been, no matter what area of your life it is, whether it's your, your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your relationships, your personal uh, faith and belief, there is hope and life in Jesus Christ no matter where you are right now. If you feel like your life is wrecked, there's hope for you in Jesus Christ. If you feel like your marriage is at a place of just stagnation, there's hope for you in Jesus Christ. If you feel like your job is kind of this dead-end thing and you don't know where to see God in it, there's hope for you in the midst of that. And God loves to bring new hope and life to us when we bring ourselves and our heart to him. We've been focusing on a key verse in our series, First Things First. It's from Colossians 1.18, and it says this, that he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all things, he might have the preeminence. In other words, he might be first. He has accomplished what no one could accomplish he has paid for our sin. He was resurrected from the dead. He's become the head over all things so that he might have the preeminence. And when we allow him to have that preeminence in our life, we experience untold blessing. First things first. Today, our message is called Make a Statement. This is a generation when people like to make some statements about some things. They like to make statements about who they are, what they believe in, and what's going on in their life. Well, we have a statement we are called to make as believers, and we're called to make it to those outside the church. But if you're like me, sometimes I have to make that statement to the rest of me. So it works like this. There's a part of me that says, all right, I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want him to be the preeminent part of my life. But then the rest of me says, I don't know if I want to follow in that. You ever had the part of you that do, does that? The rest of you doesn't want to follow the first of you. And you have to sometimes make a statement to the rest of you about what the first of you is going to do. You ever had to do that before? Put yourself kind of in check. Put yourself in the place where you say, all right, look here. I've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. This home is not just the home of me. This is the home of the Holy Spirit of God. The ghost is in me. And I live for him. I am driven for him. And all of me needs to get in line and follow him. Amen? This is what you and I are called to. We are being transformed. And he calls us to put first things first. So today, I want to talk to you about how do we do that? How do you do that for the parts of your life that haven't really come in line yet? 
those parts that still need to come in line and still need to follow and still need to make him preeminent. Do you have some parts of your life that you're still waiting for that to happen in? I do. I think if we're just being honest here, we all have some parts of our life we are still bringing under the complete lordship of Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we are today. You can turn your Bibles there. If you've got a Bible app, join me there. You can follow me on screen. You're free to take pictures today if you want to use that for your notes. It won't bother me a bit. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking to his followers. He's talking on a hillside. He's delivering a message about what life looks like when you follow him. And man, it's a radically different message than what the people in his day have heard. In fact, Jesus says, I know you've heard some things, but I've got some things to tell you. I know you've heard about a way to live. I'm going to tell you about the way to live. I'm going to tell you about the way that leads to life. And Jesus has talked about a lot of things in this, in this message. If you're following in Matthew 5 and 6, we're in 6 today on the latter part of what he has to say. Jesus up to this point has talked about hungering and thirsting, not just for food and drink, but for righteousness. Jesus has talked about forgiveness going first instead of hate. Jesus will talk about love going first instead of lust. Jesus will talk about sacrifice going first instead of selfishness. And we get down to a verse, verse 31 is where we're going to be today. Verse 31, Jesus has been talking to those there about two different ways to live. He says there are, there are people who live in such a way today, in his day, where they think that life is all about them. That getting and what they put together for their life is all on them. It's all about them. It's all for them. They've got to do all the stuff. They, they discount God being in the mix. They leave him out of the picture. He is irrelevant to them or he is last place to them. They are first place, and they are filled with the very thing Jesus came to free them from, worry. It's one of the ways that you really can know if you're not living first things first life. Because, see, faith puts all the trust in God. Faith puts all the lean into him. And faith says, God, in the moments where I tend to want to panic, where I want to Worry and fear and let anxiety take over. God, in those moments, I lean on you. And Jesus is going to talk about those who aren't at that place. And he's going to say that the way you can know, one of the identifying marks that he's not first in your life is that you're filled with stress and worry and anxiety and fear. Verse 31 is where we are today. We start with this, and Jesus says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? You see, Jesus invites us to a life of trust, a life where we lean on him, not just for the religious parts of life, but for the day-to-day -day stuff of life, the day-to-day -day stuff of Food, drink, clothing. You can't get more basic than that. And Jesus says, this faith walk is not just for the theory. It's not just for the religious. It is for the day-to-day, -day, very real stuff. This is where I meet you, Jesus says. 
And the evidence that you're walking in it is peace. And the evidence that you're not is that you're filled with worry. You're all tense. You're frustrated. Your mind won't stop spinning. It's obsessed with what's going to happen next. Where's the next dollar going to come from? Where's my next meal going to come from? Where's my next friend going to come from? Where's the next home going to come from? It doesn't matter the subject. You're stressed about it. You're panicked about it. You're filled with anxiety about it. And you're looking for ways to relieve the anxiety. And Jesus says, do not worry. Don't let that be what takes over your life. Don't let this become your obsession. He says, in fact, you're going to need to make a statement to your life. If you're filled with worry, anxiety, and stress, then it's time to make a statement. Jesus goes on in in verse 32, and he says this. He says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. In other words, those who don't know him, those who don't have faith, those who move God to the back seat, those who don't want him in the front seat, those who want to say, let me drive the bus. This group knows what I'm talking about, right? Come on now. No, it, well, the ones I watch on TikTok is bus, right? I'll talk to them later. But what happens is we want to we drive the boat or bus or car, whatever it is in your life. You want to take control. I will be the one in control. I'll decide where I go, what I do, how it happens. God, I, you know, I hear you. You're, you're cool and all that, but you're going to need to take a back seat. Your ways about forgiveness, I just don't know about that. That's going to have to wait. I'm going to have to chew on this thing for a while. I want to hate a little bit before I forgive. God, I want to, I want to use my stuff for my stuff first. After I get all I want out of the money that I got, then maybe, maybe I'll give you a little bit. God, I want to have all the, the thoughts in my head. I want to control all of those first. And maybe if I have some time, I'll give you a little room in there. I'll make the decisions about my emotions. I'll make the decisions about my relationships. I'll make the decisions about where I go, what I do, how I do it. And if, if at the end of it all, I feel like I've got a little bit to give over to you, I might. And Jesus says, this is how those who have no faith live. Jesus is last to them. Jesus is an afterthought to them. Jesus is cool if he brings some kind of bargaining chip to the table. This is how the Gentiles live, Jesus said. This is how those with no faith live. He is last. And those who live like this, they live stressed. They live worrying. They live with anxiety. They live frustrated because they think it's all on me. I got to fit in. I got to make the money. I got to be accepted by this group. I've got to be popular. I've got to have this. I got to have this. And they stress and they fret and they worry and they're consumed with it. And into all of that, Jesus is about to speak some hope. Jesus is going to speak light into the darkness. He's going to speak truth into the lies. And he's going to speak. He's going to bring some life into the place where there's death. Because if you've walked in that spot where you are first, you know what that leads to. You know what that leads to in your marriage. 
when you're trying to do it all on your own, when you're trying to force the issue, when you're trying to be the one who makes the other person do what they ought to be doing, when you're trying to control the situation, when you're trying to lead, when you're trying to be the one in charge, when you're living as though Jesus is not even present and God has no power and there's no faith involved at all, you know what that's like. You know the crushing weight of it. You know the tension of it. You know the anxiety that goes with it. You know all of that. And into that, Jesus speaks. This is what he does best. And here's what he says next. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Mm -hmm. In the midst of your stress, in the midst of your fears, in the midst of what you're trying to put together, in the midst of what you're trying to work out, in the midst of what you're seeking after on your own, in the midst of all you're getting up early, staying out late, working longer than you need to, in the midst of all that you're doing to try to take and cover the anxiety and deal with the stress, in the midst of all of that, Jesus makes this huge statement. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I just want to camp out here for a minute because this one sentence is so compelling, is so transforming. Your Father in heaven who created you, he knows exactly what you're walking through right now. You don't have to tell him for him to know it. You tell him as a way of acknowledging that he knows it. It's your way of surrendering. Your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. You're not going to mention something to him today in prayer and he'll go, oh, hold up. Let me write that down. I wasn't aware. Oh, my goodness. Did I miss that? How could that be? No, he knows before you ask. He knows your life intimately. Look at it. Your heavenly father, your father, the one who has given you life, the one who intimately knows you, the one who you got your birth from. And for a follower of Jesus, the one who you received your second birth from. That life that's inside you came from him. It didn't come from you. That new DNA that's operating in you that causes you to want to cry out to the Father, that causes you to want to recognize the Spirit, that makes you want to read his word, that makes you want to pray, that makes you want to worship. Where do you think that came from? That came from him. It's his DNA in you. Your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need something. He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. And he is able to provide it. I like to break it down to this part even. I like to just look at it and say, for your heavenly Father knows you. You can take away all the other words if you want for just a moment because that is what's most important. 
your heavenly father, not some distant deity, not some foreign god, your heavenly father intimately knows you. He knows what you long for. He knows what you need. He knows where the answer is. He knows where the supply is. You don't have to be like those who don't know. Jesus says, you don't have to worry. You have to rest because your heavenly Father knows you. That's why I like that song, Bigger Than I Thought You Were, that we were singing a little bit ago. I know you might listen to that song and say, you know, it just keeps saying, you understand me, you understand me, you understand me. Why can't we just get back to longer, older hymns? That just seems kind of redundant and short and brief and really not deep. The deepest things that have ever happened in my life were the day I got married and I knew in that moment that my wife knew me. She knew me. That changed me. The other thing that happened in my life was the day that I became a believer in Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I knew that my God knew me. That is a powerful, deep truth that has the power to absolutely transform your life. He knows you. Mm. I have to remind myself of that. I have to make sure that I don't get caught up in the worry that goes with that. I have to make sure that I remember this step of faith. And, and Jesus is so good to be able to give us a way to do that, a way to make a statement to myself because I need that statement sometimes. When I tend to worry, which I do, I have to remind myself, he knows me. My heavenly Father knows exactly what I need when I need it, and how to get it to me. And so I have to find some tangible ways to remind myself of those truths, and Jesus does that here in this conversation. Based on this truth, based on this truth, look what Jesus says, now do. Verse 33, now, but in place, and recognizing that, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus says, look, I know you've been living like you used to live. I know the Gentiles, those who have no faith at the time, lived without God in the mix. Now, Jesus says, it's time for you to flip the script. It's time for you to change it up. It's time for you to take the kingdom of God it's time to take the righteousness that is in God and let that be the first thing you do. This is the first thing you seek. This is the first thing you wrap your mind around. This is the first thing that you pursue. This is what you give yourself to. And when you seek that first, all the things that you're so obsessed with, all the things that you think you need, all the things that you in reality do need, they will be added to you. In other words, you've had an agenda for your life up to this point. Now it's time to take your agenda 
and adjust it to God's agenda. Agenda, adjust, and when you do, he'll add what you need. We're going to hold on to that theme today. God has an agenda. It's up to us to adjust to it. And when we do, he promises to add all things. So let's talk about how we do that. How do we adjust to his agenda so that his ways are first? Because he knows what we need. Let me, let me give you some examples of how we do that in Scripture. And let's just get right on down to the nitty-gritty stuff of life today. Let's just get on down to the real stuff. Let's talk about, for example, our own passions and desires. Man, how do you make all your desires come up and line up under God's? You know, it's one thing to go to church and, and pray and worship, but you're getting into the week and all of a sudden you've got some desires that are wanting to have their way in your life. You've got some passions and some interests. You've got some things that start screaming out and you know what I'm talking about. Every one of us have them in certain areas of our life. How do you bring those under? How do you bring them to the place where you're like, hey, hold up. We all as a whole now are going to follow Jesus. It's time for you to get in line. How do you make a statement to them? Well, the Bible says there's a clear way, a very concise way that you make a statement to all your appetites in your life that they got to get in line now. And that statement is you say, look here, appetites, we're going to do something the Bible calls fasting. And we're going to put you in the back seat for a little bit. You don't get to drive anymore. Appetites, back now, I'm going to put my appetites for Christ first. Spiritual appetites ahead of my own appetites. You see what happens? The Apostle Paul says, I bring my body under subjection. In other words, it might want to do some things, but I am going to make some statements to myself that say, look, appetites, you don't get to lead anymore. I know you want to, and I know you have in the past, but no more. And here's how we're going to do that. I'm not going to give you first place anymore. Spiritual appetites, you go first. It's your way of making a statement to yourself. This is the first making a statement to the rest that we all follow Jesus. And I'm talking about in me. So I have to do that. And hey, it's not an easy thing to deny yourself of your appetites. To say to food, for example... I know you want to go to Raising Cane's right now, but you're not going to because body, you're not in charge here anymore. There's a new ruler in town. There's a new king, and he gets to decide what we want, and I'm going to do what he says, and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Because here's what's happening. When I want to go to Raisin Cane's, I'm loving that chicken and that sauce. Mm. You see, what's happening is I want to be satisfied. Jesus says, if you'll seek me first and my righteousness, I'll add some satisfaction to you. And it won't always look like chicken and sauce. It'll look a lot different than that. So I have to tell... I have to tell Mr. Body, not today, maybe tomorrow, but you don't get to choose anymore. Just because you feel it, just because you want it, just because you're crying out for it, just because you're screaming for it doesn't mean you get to decide anymore. You don't because now I live as seek first. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I have to do this with my thoughts as well because, man, thoughts like to take the lead. My old thoughts like to be the ones who take charge. 
Situation happens, topic comes up, and all of a sudden, old Brian thoughts want to run. They like to spin out of control. They like to think about all the possibilities. They like to think about all the options. They like to think about how to solve the problem. They like to think about what everybody else ought to be doing. They like to just kind of, woo, just lose their, make me lose my mind is what they like me to do. And I have to say to my thoughts, look here, you don't get to lead anymore. You're not in charge. There's a new king in town. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new spirit that leads. And he gets to establish the thoughts. He gets to say what I think about and when. And I'm going to let him think first. My first thoughts are his. And when I let him, he settles all the rest. He brings peace when I want to see all the confusion, all that's going on out there, and I'm in turmoil and I'm in stress. He says, if you'll bring the first to me, I'll take care of all the rest. It's the principle. It brings you to a place where we're secure. In the book of Psalms, it talks about giving our thoughts to God, letting him control them. He says that when we do, then he makes us established. He makes us stand strong. So um, come on up here. Let me, I got an example I want to do here with Nick. Nick, stand right here. Y'all know Nick? Yeah, stand this way, Nick. There's a game we used to play when I was in student ministry in which we'd put two people opposite each other like this, and our goal was to get real stationary, so make sure you're real stationary, Nick, right? And so what we do is put our hands up like this, and we try to push the other person off balance. And whoever could push the other person off balance first was the winner. So let's just try, Nick. Don't hurt me, please. Let's just try a couple of options here. You ready? I mean, it's okay to be, oh, now watch out. Watch out. So you do this thing right here, and sometimes you fake like that. Oh, that's your neck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, see, sometimes you, you get him in, yeah, give him a hand. It's good. You get him in a little routine there, and then you pull back, and like, oh. That's exactly what the enemy likes to do to you. He likes to come along, get you dependent upon him, think you know what the pressure is like. Oh, I can handle this. I can handle this. I don't need anybody else's help. Oh, all of a sudden you're tripped up and you just lost the battle. That's what he does. He's like that. But the Bible says if you will seek the kingdom first, if you'll let the reign of Jesus Christ drive first, let him have the driver's seat, let the kingdom of God, let the gospel of peace let the ministry of the church, let the kingdom be first in your life. Make that first priority. All the other things that you need will be added to you, and you'll find yourself in a place of being established. Men, you'll find yourself in a place where you are on the offensive, not always playing defensive. You know how to take back the captives. You know how to tear down the walls. You know how to make a difference. You become one who's bringing about change in your life and in the culture as well. So I have to do that with my appetites. I have to do that with my thoughts. I have to do that also with my emotions. Man, sometimes emotions like to try to rule. They like to get out and take the lead. They like to go first. They like to create panic in me. They like to create fear in me. They like to take me on roller coaster rides up and down, up and down. And I hate roller coasters personally. This is what emotions do. They want to drive. They want to make a statement. They want to be out front. They want to make all my logic 
and even all my faith get way to the back of the bus. They want to be in front. They want to drive. And I have to say to my emotions, look here. You used to dominate me. You used to control me. You used to be the one who determined what I thought, where I went, who I was with. You used to be the one who affected me. If I felt lonely, I went and made a decision based on the fact that I was lonely, not about what the kingdom says is first. If I ever felt rejected, I would do crazy things to try to get some attention from some other people because I was letting my emotions go first. I was letting all that lead instead of letting truth and let Christ lead in my life. How do you bring that under the control? How do you say to your emotions, your energy, your passion, all that wants to just have its own way, how do you say to them, look, you don't get to lead anymore? I think that the way we do that is through the energy that we give in worship. You see, when I stand before my God and I'm at a place where I am completely aware that he knows me, he has forgiveness for me, he has hope and power for me, and in that moment, I let that truth penetrate every part of my life, I let that drive deep within me and I connect in that moment with God, there is a, there's a response of worship that comes up in that moment that has emotion with it, that sometimes brings me to tears, that sometimes brings me to smile, sometimes brings me to waving my arms, sometimes gets me to marching like I was a marching band still, whatever it was. And whatever it is, I bring my energy, my passion. I love the Lord, my God, of all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I say, look, emotions, you're going to have to bow to Jesus Christ. And here's how we do that, emotions. We give him our strength, our energy. He goes first. I got a text message yesterday um, that one of our members had a stroke. Uh, Lewis Bowling normally sits over there on that side, his wife Debbie. Uh, if you've been around Vertical for a while, their son, Trey, used to play the piano. It's been a while. Uh, Lewis and Debbie had gone out to eat yesterday, and while they were sitting there, Lewis had a massive stroke. He took him to the hospital, care flight him to Dallas, and they're watching him this morning. And concerned. He is uh, obviously unconscious still. And I, I mention that to you as a prayer request for Lewis and for Debbie. But I also want you to hear this. As we stood with her and her kids and family last night, after we got down to the hospital, we were trying to encourage her. And she said, I know that my God is behind me, in front of me, to my right, and to my left. And I thought, wow, Ooh, what a statement in the midst of that. To say in the midst of just absolute chaos and uncertainty and what could be fear and absolute worry. Debbie leaned into her faith I know she's going to have some days where 
emotions are going to want to lead and they're going to pour out. I know those days are coming for her, but it was encouraging to see her in that moment put first things first and say, I'm going to let what I know about my God drive my worship and drive my heart and drive my emotions. It makes a difference who's in the driver's seat. Who's in the driver's seat determines where you get to go next. Who's in the driver's seat gets to determine how you get there. Everybody else rests in the driver. And Jesus says, I've come to give you hope and life. Let me drive. Let me have the controls. Appetites, my thoughts, my emotions, and even the stuff I get, the possessions, the money, the increase that comes into my life. Man, that's another great place to make a statement to your life. When you get some increase that comes to you, a check, some benefit of some kind that comes to you, the Bible says there's a very clear way that we make a statement to ourselves about all we have that says Jesus first. And here's how you do that. The Bible says you take the first fruits and you give that to the Lord. That's a, a tithe, the Bible says. It's a gift that you give. It's a way of saying, God, of all that I receive, I give the first to you. It belongs to you. It's my way of making a statement to myself that all that I have belongs to God. And so I give the first part to him. Man, it's a statement you have to make because I know that check comes in or that money comes in that you weren't expecting and it comes to you as a gift, whatever it might be, it comes in and right away, boom, you start thinking of how you want to use it. All of these different things you want to spend and save for and get and purchase and have and keep up with this group so you can have what this group has and how cool it would be to have this. And you want to, in that moment, put God last. Well, I'm going to get all my stuff first and we'll see what happens. If I have some left over, maybe then I'll give some. Jesus says, you know, if you do that, if you're all worried about how do I get this, how do I get that, how do I get that? Then you, you come up again and you took the seat away. You're trying to drive again. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Let him and his ways, his reign, his power, his wisdom, his lordship, his decisions, let those go first. Then all those things that you think you need, all those things that in reality you may need, he will be the one to add them in his time, in his way. How do you know? Because your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Mm. I'm sure for every one of us there's a spot today where this message has uh, spoken or is being God's using to touch in your life right now. Maybe the area for you that you worry is about um, it's about your children. Maybe you're overcome with the anxiety of what's going to happen to my children. 
Are they going to make the right decisions? I don't think they're making the right decisions right now. And you start obsessing over that. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a thought about what's next in your life, your future, your decisions, your, you know, what career path, what class am I going to take for students, what friend group am I going to fit in, who's going to accept me, who's not going to accept me, what do I do, this following Jesus thing looks a little scary, how do I know that's all going to work out, look, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things that you're worried about, am I going to fit in, am I going to be accepted, am I going to be popular, all those things and some better things and all that, he will add when you seek him First, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're obsessed with trying to fix them. Maybe you're obsessed with trying to make them do what's right. Maybe you're obsessed with trying to somehow make them change. And Jesus says, do not worry. Seek first the kingdom. Your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. And he knows how to bring it to you. So really the issue of first things first comes down to an issue of trust. How much do you trust God with your life? The evidence that you do will be that you're willing to give the first. You're willing to let him go first. You're willing to let him reign. And you'll give the first, the first of your thoughts. He gets the first of your emotions. He gets the first of your increase. He gets the first of your energy. He goes first. Now, I'm confident the Holy Spirit is speaking today because I believe he's here. He's in our midst. He's at work. He speaks through the word of God. And I'm confident that he is speaking in some very specific areas in our life, every one of us. Areas where he's calling us to let him have first. To quit trying to do it all ourselves. To quit trying to lead, but to let him lead. To let the kingdom be more important than anything else. More important than your reputation. More important than your pleasure. More important than what you want. But that the kingdom would have first place. Would you bow your heads this morning? During this time, could you say, God, thank you for speaking to me today? Could you say, God, thank you that you know me? You know my hurts, you know my fears, you know my longings, you know my needs. And I've been trying to lead. It's not working. So God, I come today to step out of the driver's seat and to let you in it, to let you lead. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for making a mess. I will seek you first. I will adjust my life for your agenda and I will trust that you will add all that I need in your time and in your way. Father, I'm grateful today. 
I thank you that you're here in this place right now, that you are speaking to us hope and life. You're calling us. You're calling us out of where we've been. You're calling us to new life. You're calling us to new passion. And all begins by adjusting our lives. I pray that in this moment, we will be sensitive to you as you speak. And we will have the faith to do that very thing. Adjust. Adjust to your agenda. Adjust to your glory. Adjust to your lordship. Adjust to letting you lead. So that in all things, you might have the preeminence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what an incredible message today. I'm so grateful for Pastor Brian and the word that he delivered today. Make sure that you click like and subscribe down below and we'll see you next week.